morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Podstetrics, a pregnancy pod. I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. And this is episode nine of our podcast. Welcome. And today we're going to be talking to you guys about instrumental delivery. Yeah, so just before we start, just a reminder, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is not for the purpose of providing medical advice. If you do have any queries or concerns, please see your healthcare provider. So just like every other content episode that we've done, we are going to start this episode with a case study. So Casey is a 24-year-old G2P1 who presents to the maternity ward following a spontaneous rupture of membranes and contractions 4 in 10. She has had an uneventful first stage of labour and is now fully dilated and effaced, feeling the need to push. She has been actively pushing for one hour and a recent CTG shows bradycardia. The midwife consults the OB and it is decided that there is a delay in the second stage of her labour, likely due to reduced maternal effort. Upon discussion with the team, the OB decides that Casey should be offered an instrumental delivery via forceps as a vaginal delivery is a priority for her and is in her birth plan. Okay, so just starting off with a definition. So what is an instrumental delivery? So this is when we use either forceps or a vacuum, also commonly known as a vontus, to expedite or assist in delivery. So Kayla, why is an instrumental delivery important? Well, firstly, it allows mum to still have the option of having a vaginal birth and therefore avoiding a cesarean. Okay. So, and so yeah. why why is avoiding a C-section important? What does the literature tell us? Well, the literature is, at the moment, it's saying that cesareans are rising in the Western world. Um, and the two groups most likely to have cesarean are nulliparous women with cephalic presentation and women who have had previous cesareans. So clearly there is a problem here. All effort must be taken to ensure that mums that give, gives it gives mums the opportunity to follow their birth plan. And if this means a vaginal birth, then this should be ensured so long as mum and bubs can be kept safe. Yeah. So at the moment, five to twenty percent of babies in the Western world are delivered by an instrumental delivery, and of these, five to ten percent will fail. And this means that it will progress to requiring a C-section. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the delay in the second stage, which is something that we have talked about before. So let's recap what we have previously discussed. So a delay in the second stage is a, is defined as a time period of greater than four hours following full cervical dilation. Yeah, and this is two hours of pushing in a nullip, so a woman who's never given birth before, and one hour of pushing in a multip. And also we add an extra one hour if the woman is under an epidural. So there may be a number of reasons why this occurs. So let's remind everybody of the three P's of labor, power, passage, passage, and passenger. (laughs) So one of the most common is that there is a decrease in maternal effort. So mum just needs some extra help getting baby out. And remember, this is referring to the power of the three P's for a successful labor. Yep. So due to an epidural, there may also be an altered need to push. And this can interfere with the second stage and cause a delay. So generally, like we mentioned before, we give an extra one to two hours for this. Another reason why it may occur is because of a tight perineum or a less favorable pelvic shape, i.e. the passage. Mm -hmm. We may also decide to use instruments in the second stage if delivery needs to be speeded up. So this is when there is something seen on the CTG, which indicates that baby is maybe feeling a little bit stressed. For those of you who don't know, a CTG or a cardiotocograph is a tool used to measure baby's heart rate against mum's contractions. So this basically tells us how baby is doing. Let's talk about talk a little bit about what mum can expect here with the CTG. Evan, do you want to tell us a little bit about what mums can expect? Yeah, sure. So there are two parts to this machine. One part measures mum's contractions 
And this band is placed close to mum's fundus. So this measures all the contractions that occur. Then the second band... Bland. Bland. The second (laughs) band is placed close to where baby's heart is so that we can record baby's heart rate and mum's contractions concurrently or together. So one of the signs that baby's getting stressed or distressed is something called bradycardia. So this is when baby's heart rate slows down and this indicates that something's really going wrong here. Um, And one of the things that could be going wrong is that just baby's just getting tired. So normally when there's a contraction, so baby's already in a really tight enclosed space, but baby gets pushed along with the umbilical cord, which slightly delays the blood flow. And so we do expect some change to the heart rate. However, we expect that baby's heart rate bounces back. So this is similar to really what happens when you go for a run. Eventually over time when you start running, your heart rate increases, your respiration rate increases because your need for oxygen increases. And if there doesn't, then there would be a problem delivering oxygen to your tissues. And this is similar with baby. So if there is a period of a decreased heart rate, then this tells us that baby's reserves are low and we don't want baby to be going for long periods of time with decreased oxygen to the brain because obviously that's a big problem. And so we need to think about plans to ensure that baby is delivered promptly. We are going to have an episode later down the track following CTG or covering CTGs in greater detail, but that is just like a really small snippet. Of yeah. what they yeah. are. There are a number of other purposes. factors that you can look at as well and other signs that the CTG can show. Yeah. So another thing that we can do is perform a procedure known as fetal blood sampling. So what we do is using, what's the instrument called again? A speculum. A speculum. Uh, we can create a small cut in baby's head and take out a small amount of blood. Um, about a quarter of a mil is taken and it's sent to the lab for analysis. And again, this tells us how baby is coping. Yeah, and just to be clear, so the speculum is a tool that's used to open the vagina, and then we make the cut with the scalpel. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Other reasons why we may have delays in second stage, again, as we've mentioned before, are fear, uh, pain, and malposition of baby. Yeah, and one thing that I actually didn't know that Kayla told me about, that we talk a lot about the three Ps, but... She actually told me about learning about the four P's and the fourth P being psyche. And so the woman's state of mind is very important as well to the delivery. Yeah, beautiful. When we're talking about instrumental delivery, we obviously need to cover the instruments that we're very important. Use. <laughs> and there are two main instruments that we use. And the first one is the vacuum. Again, something that you've probably heard before. So the vacuum is also known as the Von Tuss, And it is essentially a suction cup connected to a vacuum source. So mum will push and will apply traction um, to the Vontus to assist mum in getting baby out. So we can have two kinds of cups. We can have soft cups and we can have rigid cups. So soft cups are more likely to fail when we're comparing them to rigid cups. However, soft cups have lower rates of trauma to baby. In terms of trauma to mum, the rates are about the same. So generally birth is achieved in three to four pools. Sometimes the OB will do three smaller pulls just before baby is born, and this is to reduce the trauma to the perineum. Ideally, baby should be delivered within 15 minutes of applying the Vontus. Yeah, so next we have the forceps, and there are many different types of forceps depending on how baby's head is orientated. So firstly, we have non-rotational forceps, and this is if the head is in OA, so occiput anterior. Two of these forceps 
are called Neville Barnes and the Simpson forceps. Then we have our rotational forceps, which is your Keelan forceps, and these are used when we need to rotate baby's head first. So basically, they, they're like two blades, but not like a knife. They're not sharp. Um, so we think about them kind of looking like tongs, but they can be separated and locked together. They can also be pulled apart, and we'll post some pictures on our social media so you can see what they look like. So the left is inserted first. The OB first has their hand protecting the vaginal wall and then puts in the left forceps. And then the right is inserted and the blades are locked. Then baby's head is gripped. So first the OB checks if the forceps are in the correct position and then gently applies traction. And these tractions are timed alongside mum's contractions. And delivery is aimed for three pulls or less. So Kayla, what can result in poor outcomes following instrumental delivery? The first is prolonged second stage. So leaving baby in for too long. Um, That increases the chance of maternal anal sphincter trauma. Um, Do you want to talk about a little bit about what that is yeah so this basically means that because the perineum is under high stress we can get tears to the anal sphincter and the anal sphincter is what controls your ability to basically not poo your pants when you need to go to the toilet yeah exactly right. and so if we get tears in that and there can be a various uh, there can be various degrees of these tears so how serious they are then that can affect continence and this is the ability again to be able to hold in your feces yeah to control yeah yeah um, and so this increases the chance of there being trauma to that area. Um, and this can definitely impact a woman's quality of life. Yeah, it's really sad. The number of pulls with the instrument, um, and that can lead to things like neonatal scalp injuries. Um, we also need to ensure that we're using the, we need to ensure that we're not using the incorrect instrument for the situation at hand. And it also depends on the experience of the operator, obviously. Yeah. Um, So Evan, tell us a little bit about when we wouldn't use instrumental delivery. Yeah, so I guess the first one and the most important one is when the baby is not engaged. So if the baby is not at least at the level of the ischial spines, there's really no point using instruments because we we can't really access baby's head in in that occasion. Um, The next one is premature delivery. So generally when baby is under 34 weeks, we won't use a Vontus, and that's because a lot of the anatomy is very fragile. And also there's a very high risk of something called a cephalohematoma, which is basically a collection of uh, a collection of blood above the skull of baby's head and intracranial hemorrhage. And this is bleeding inside the brain. Um, and these can definitely impact baby's survival. And also, lastly, a face or a breech presentation. And this is because that presentation, the tissues that present, are not suitable um, for a forceps or for a Vontus delivery. So, Kayla, what can a woman expect following an instrumental delivery? What are the outcomes like? So, generally, the outcomes are fantastic. So, baby might have a small bruise on the sides of their face in the case of a forceps delivery or a bruise on top of the head when a Vontus is applied. And you can hear more about that in our previous episode with Anna, who did have... She had a Vontus delivery, didn't she? Yeah, and she was talking about that bruising Yeah, the bruising to Penelope's head. Uh, There is also a risk of facial and scalp lacerations on baby's head and face. And that's that's quite rare, but it's still a possibility. Uh, There is also a rare risk of brachial plexus injury. So the brachial plexus is an important network of nerves and they run into the arms. And they're essentially responsible for sensation and movement of the arms, hands and fingers. Yeah. And so what's the risk here to mum? There's an increased risk of perineal trauma. And often mums will require an episiotomy. And that's that cut that's made to assist in delivering baby's head. But really, instrumental delivery is good because it ensures that baby is safe. 
baby's not under any distress and baby's not undergoing lo- long periods where there's low oxygen delivery to the brain. It also allows mum to have a normal vaginal delivery, which is really important. It's important because, number one, it means that the, the mother in, um, doesn't have any anesthetic risk, which would come from a C-section. And mum can also be up and about much sooner than she would be with a C-section. And this means things like she can be sitting up in the chair and breastfeeding much sooner. Yeah, beautiful. That's about it for our for the content. So just to end the case, following two pulls of the Neville Barnes forceps, baby Jacqueline is born weighing in at eight pounds. Casey required an episiotomy due to a grade one tear, which was stitched and is now in the ward with Jacqueline. She is happy that she was able to have a vaginal birth and is looking forward to the new addition to her family. Aww. That was a good end to the episode. But Jack, Jack, Jackie. <laughs> So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, you can find us at Podstetrics um, everywhere, or you can also follow us on Linktree. So that's Linktree forward slash, sorry, Linktree.com forward slash Podstetrics. Um, and we also ask that, you know, you share this podcast when you can and also like, rate and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that helps people find us. Yeah, wonderful. So until next week, I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. Stay safe, guys. And take care of yourselves. Thank you.